The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. How many are already, uh, already ready for a holiday? We're not even done this when I'm ready for a holiday. Uh, ever, have you ever taken a cruise? Anybody on a cruise? I, I was on a like overnight once. It was <laughs> tiny room. I don't know. It wasn't that great. A friend of mine shared uh, about, he loves cruising, and uh, shared uh, the crew on this cruise had uh, four values that they shared and uh, that they kind of tried to institute all the time. And uh, they were greet and smile. Uh, every crew member, all the time, greet and smile. Hi, how are you? It, like, whatever they're doing. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, greet and smile. Uh, own the problem. It doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter if it's not my area of responsibility. If, uh, if, a, if a guest has a problem, it's my problem. And uh, I will stay with it until the problem is solved, even if it has nothing to do with me. So own the problem. And then uh, uh, look the part. Like you just, when you look professional, people treat you differently, right? Like let's look, always have your uniform on and perfect and like perfect. You got to look perfect. And so uh, look the part and then uh, finally deliver the wow. It w- deliver the what? Deliver the wow. Uh, just go above and beyond. And so that that uh, guest uh, is just blown away by the fact that like they didn't expect that. Like, Wow. So that's pretty cool. Those are kind of four values that you can almost apply anywhere. And, uh, but what I want to do is apply them to uh, us and our uncommon community. We're just jumping into our, our study of small groups called Uncommon Community, the one and others of Scripture, and uh, how, how we do life together. And we're going to take a look at that over the next little while. And uh, we're gonna pretty excited about that. Uh, so what I want to do is challenge you, though. Let's not just do the study. I want you, I want each of us to uh, adopt the gold standard of uncommon community. The gold standard of uncommon community. And it's just those four things that I just talked about. Uh, amazingly enough, we find them right here in Scripture in Romans chapter 15. We're going to take a look at that. You go, okay, okay, Roger, you're really kind of twisting scripture to get that into there. Okay, just a little bit. But we're going to look at the scriptures, and that's what's going to drive us to uncommon community. So let's take a look at it together. Romans 15, verses 1 to 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's uh, ask God to uh, really grip our hearts with uh, the truths that we're about to look at. Father, thank you uh, 
for your grace to us. We've been singing about it. Uh, We're amazed by Jesus Christ. And uh, Father, it's so easy to get so taken up with the things of life that we forget. uh, That you've entered history and changed everything for for us. Lord, as we uh, consider some of these things again and how they affect us and how uh, they affect our relationships. uh, Father, we pray that your spirit will uh, grip our hearts with these things. Help us to see clearly what we can do to develop uncommon community and to achieve what you, what you have uh, wanted for us and have chosen for us and have created uh, in us and through us to have. And so, Father, we commit this time to you and pray that you'll bless it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to start with this. Greet and smile. Uh, Greet and smile. Verse 7 says, Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We're starting in verse 7 because the Olga standard just doesn't sound right. So the gold standard sounds right. So greet and smile. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Uh, Well, what does that mean? Uh, Obviously, the statements in Scripture go far beyond these four little uh, sayings that we have. So uh, wouldn't it be great, though, if just like you could just greet and smile and have deep relationship? Just like, hey, how are you doing? Boom, we got it. Yeah, that'd be great, eh? Our ushers do a great job of that. They welcome you in here today. They've already been doing what we're preaching about here. Uh, greeting and smiling you. I, I hope they greeted you and I hope they smiled. And did they do a good job? Okay, good. Shout out to our ushers. Great. Thank you. And our uh, greeters. So uh, greet and smile. Wouldn't it just be easy, but it goes far beyond that. Uh, uh, Paul says, welcome one another. Uh, the word actually means to receive each other, to accept each other. Uh, to welcome into friendship. We, we understand that, that uh, it goes far beyond when we uh, greedy, greet people, when we welcome them into our lives. That goes far beyond just a surface, hey, how you doing? Uh, now, not always. We, we understand this works. Some people are insincere. How are you? They don't want to know, right? Isn't it true? They, they didn't really mean that. Uh, when you get a friend and they go, no, 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 no. How are you really? Okay, there's a difference there, right? And when somebody welcomes you into their heart, we, we understand what we're talking about when we talk about those things. And, and uh, Paul says, welcome each other. Uh, there's, there's, we're all different, aren't we? Uh, we spent some time on the East Coast. You know, the East Coast, they're so friendly. Hey, how are you? Come on in. Have you eaten yet? Come, come on in. Well, you can have half, right? Just come on in. Their arms are open wide. But uh, they say, unless you're born there or you live there for 25 years, uh, you never get the last two inches into their heart. I don't know if that's true. Don't paint them all with the same brush. Uh, however, in Tirana, Tirana, everybody's like, don't, don't talk to me. They hold you back here, right? Like arm's distance, like nobody gets close. If you ever get past that, it's like, you're the best friend I ever had. <laughs> Isn't that true? Like, it's like a pipeline right into their heart, right? If you get past the, the cold, no, don't, don't talk to me. You're the best friend I ever had. I go, if I'm the best friend you ever had, you got no friends, right? <laughs> we understand what we're talking about when we talk about sharing life and having deeper relationships. And really, that's what we all long for. We long for this. We were designed for this. And yet, it's so hard, isn't it, to, to get there? And yet, Paul says it's a command. Uh, receive one another. Welcome one another. And not just anyway. He says, welcome each other as Christ welcomed you. Wow. Uh, how did Christ welcome me? 
not on my merits. Isn't that true? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that it isn't uh, because of what you can do or what you've achieved or how holy you are? Uh, some people are still living on that program, by the way. They're just like, I'm, I'm, no, no, nothing's wrong with me. Um, God will accept me because I'm a good guy. I'm one of the good ones. I have a white hat. And uh, no, that, that's not going to work. That's not how God accepted me. We're received on the merits of Jesus Christ and all that he did and all that he is. And that's how God welcomed us. And we're to welcome each other on the same basis, the basis of the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, that changes everything, folks. Uh, that means I, I don't have to accept you because of your goodness or because you're one of the, the, the nice looking people. We can receive each other. We can be accepted on the merits of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has for us. Uh, that's what he wants for us. Um, you know, we, we work hard at welcoming people around here. There's some human restrictions on, on it, right? Uh, Jesus knows everything about everybody. Uh, we don't. And so that's why we have a check-in at Harvest Kids. That's why you have to sign in there. And we give you a little badge. And only you are allowed to pick up your kids. Because we don't know everything about everybody else. And so we, we do that. And uh, uh, we have a few other requirements, right? Really getting accepted here. We say, hey, be around for a while. Attend regularly. Um, let people get to know you. Uh, join a small group. Um, be accountable. Um, if you're going to serve, get a police check. Um, no, really, we, we, we really like you and we want you to stay. <laughs> but get a police check first. No, that's not true. We, we really do. What are we talking about here? Okay, we're, we welcome we welcome it. We go a long ways to welcome people in here. We've had, uh, it wasn't this church, just to put your hearts at ease, but we've had it where a convicted person wanted to come to church, and we said, yeah, you can come to church. So somebody was with them the whole time. They went to the bathroom with them, like everywhere. Because uh, we go a long ways to welcome people. Uh, we'll do that. We've, we've, uh, we work out all kinds of situations. Sometimes people aren't getting along. And so we have one come to one service and one comes to the other service. Because they're both welcome here. Apparently just not together. And so we, we try and work that out. We've helped uh, couples coming in here. And uh, they're living together in an unmarried fashion. God says that's not quite the way to do it. And so we've helped them get to the place where they're living together in a married fashion. And we're, they're welcome here. We work with all kinds of people to welcome them in. We want to take away the barriers to people coming in here and hearing about Jesus Christ. And so um, we welcome a lot of people in here trying to get them uh, some stability into their lives. So, you know, it's, it's not easy. What are the practical issues for your elders as we welcome people in here? Well, uh, we're guarding the flock, right? We're guarding you. We're guarding your children. Uh, that's why we have some of those things in place. Uh, so we're guarding the flock. The other thing is practicing righteousness. Um, we don't just come here and just like anything goes. No, no, no. We're committed to Jesus Christ and seeing him transform people. And so um, all that to say, uh, welcome each other. So when we get into our small groups, we're to receive each other. Um, that, that person might not be the one you want to hang with on a Friday night. Or, you know, like you, you don't have the same uh, taste in clothes or in food or in all kinds of things. But you can receive them on the basis of Jesus Christ. So receive one another. And listen, if you're feeling an outsider right now, like an outsider... 
uh, because you don't actually share Christ, can I just take a moment and say, hey, um, you don't have to remain an outsider. You can be part of you can be an integral, but you can have deep relationship with us uh, by sharing Jesus Christ. It's as simple as ABC. Are you ready for this? Uh, admit that you're a sinner. Admit that there's a, there's a problem here, and uh, it's with me and God. Uh, he's holy, and I'm not. And I think all of us, if we take an honest look at ourselves, would, uh, would say, yeah, I admit, I'm, I'm a sinner. Uh, secondly, believe, B, is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been singing about it. He's God in the flesh, and he died on the cross in our place. He did everything necessary to reconcile us to God. Uh, believe in him. Believe that he died in your place and that he was raised again, and that in him you can have life. And then C is confess. Uh, just ask him. You can do that right now, right where you are, in your heart. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Call on him right now. Say, oh God, I believe. Would you please forgive me and give me the life that you alone have, spiritual life. Cleanse me from my sin. Make me your child. Forgive me. Make me your own. And give me your Holy Spirit. Call on him right now. Tell him and then tell somebody else because Confess with your mouth. Uh, so could tell somebody else. And then tell the church. And in two Sundays, that we give people an opportunity. How do you tell the church? Uh, you get baptized. You, uh, you identify with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection by being baptized. And in two weeks, uh, you could do that. Uh, we have an orientation going on right now. You kind of missed that one. But uh, listen, we are so committed to this. You, you come talk to me. If you want to confess before the church that you know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him, uh, let's get that done in two weeks from now. Uh, let's get baptized. And uh, so, hey, if, you're, uh, if you do share Christ and you're still fe feeling like an outsider, then we've got some more work to do. So let's talk about this. A uh, second thing is own the problem. Greet and smile, right? Welcome each other. Uh, here's this, own the problem. Own the problem. You say, well, what's the problem? What is the problem? Well, it says here, uh, you who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Uh, the problem is discipleship. That's really what it is. Um, it's the weak in faith, ver faith versus the strong in faith. And the onus of responsibility is always on the strong. Uh, we often do that. Like we get somebody and they come and they're, they got problems and we say, well, okay, well, uh, you fix it. Oh, wait a minute. I'm here because I have a problem. The onus is on the strong to help the weak, to bear with the infirmities of the weak. Now, that doesn't mean we do all the work. We have a saying around here, never put more into somebody than they're willing to put into themselves, right? And so it's not that the weak don't, doesn't have any work to do, but the onus of responsibility for leading and guiding is on the strong. Um, so who are the strong? Who are the strong? We all like to think we're strong, right? I grew up with five brothers, so there were six of us, and uh, five of us really close together, David, Dan, Ron, Roger, Larry, and he, I was, uh, yeah, my mom used to run through that, like, and uh, so I was like number four of five, and then we had a, a one born out of due time, Jonathan, the baby, we won't even go there, he, uh, so, so growing up with, uh, with uh, five other brothers, four of them right close to me, um, who's the strongest, uh, Dan was the benchmark, he, he was number two, and uh, like, like he was just tough, tough as nails. 
And uh, so we were always measuring ourselves uh, against each other. Who's the strongest? Who can lift this? Who can do that? Do you ever do that thing? Um, you slug each other on the shoulder. Bam. And then he gets to slug you. <clears throat> I can take that. <laughs> then you put your knuckle out. You say, I'll show you. I'll bruise you, dude. Bam. And, uh, and, then, and, the, and the one who gives in says, okay, okay, I've had enough. I've had enough. Yeah, weenie. Right? <laughs> okay, that, that's how I grew up. All right? So who's the strongest? I am now... Of all my brothers, I just, just so you know, I am the strongest. Just saying. All right. So who are the strong? Who are the strong, really? Who are the strong? What are we talking about? Spiritual strength here. Who are the strong? Well, let's take a look. First John 2.14. Interesting little uh, number of verses here. It's uh, probably an early hymn. And uh, two stanzas. And it describes uh, uh, three kinds of Christians. Uh, little born ones. They know God. That's it. Like they're just born. They're babies, right? And, uh, and then young men, and uh, you're strong and you've overcome the evil one. And then fathers, uh, fathers of, uh, you know, they've had some children. They've led some people to Christ. They're mature. They're walking with the eternal one. Uh, you've known the eternal one. Uh, same stanza. The only thing that's really changed is uh, the description of young men. Uh, you're strong and you've overcome the wicked one. How? Because the word of God abides in you. So who are the strong? The strong are those who have the word of God abiding in them. Now, how about this? Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 describes the mature. Uh, the strong is not unskilled in the word of righteousness. Okay, not unskilled, but rather skilled by reason, who by reason of use have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Uh, who's the strong one? The one who practices using God's word to discern good from evil and have their sense of discernment uh, strengthened and strong. Okay, uh, who are the strong? How about this one, James 3.13? I love this verse. Uh, Let him show his works by his good conduct Done in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness uh, gets a bad rap. We tend to think meekness, weakness, but it's anything but. Meekness is strength under control. It, uh, when I think of meekness, uh, strength under control, it's, it's uh, using uh, your strength to apply God's wisdom in very careful, calculated, controlled ways. I think of uh, an athlete, the guy on the rings, you know? Perfect control. (laughs) How does he do that? I don't know. Like just perfect strength under perfect control is what this is talking about. Um, How about this one? Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. "Be, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, somebody relying on God and putting on the whole armor of God so that they can stand. And you get this picture of like a soldier that's like ready to go and like solid. And um, yeah. Okay, that's who's strong. How long does it take to become strong? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, who's strong? Strong in the word. How long does it take to become strong? Well, that depends on how uh, invested you get into God's word, doesn't it? Um, Let's throw out some things here. A um, couple of years. Is two years enough time to become strong from the time you got 
kind of saved, you committed your life to Jesus Christ, is two years long enough to be strong? There's some places in the world where if you receive Christ and you've memorized a couple of verses and and you kind of know the Lord like you're a leader. We have so much of the word of God and so many opportunities to study it and learn it and know it. Can I just suggest that in some places in the world, there's nobody here that's not strong. And yet we are so lacking in applying God's word to our lives in real ways sometimes. Um, Say, well, I'm just weak. Why are you weak? You have God's word. Yeah, I know, but I'm just so weak. I just can't resist sin. I'm so weak. Stop being weak. Who are the strong? It's those who know God's word. And what do strong people do? Well, they bear with the infirmities of the weak. They help carry the burdens created by those uh, without strength. Uh, They help them, you know, like uh, here's the problem. The problem is discipleship. And every issue is a discipleship issue. Every issue is applying God's word to my life where I am, uh, seeing my heart changed. Uh, Every issue is a discipleship issue. Strong believers are concerned for everything that is out of sync with Christ and with God's will, and they help to bring the weak into line with Christ and with his will. Don't miss uh, the quotation here. Um, in verse 3, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. That's from Psalm 69, and it's a quote. Uh, Jesus is saying to the Father, those who reproached God, those who hated God, those reproaches fell on me. In order to bring people into a right relationship with God, he took their very hatred of God on himself. Very powerful picture of what the strong are to do for the weak. They take their weakness on themselves in order to bring those weak people into a line with Christ. Uh, Listen to this. The mark of strength in the follower of Christ is not the ability to get one's own way, even if you think it is right. but Rather, it is the ability to absorb another's failings and leave them better off. For the encounter. It's the ability to absorb another's failings. And leave them better off. For the encounter. Um, Paul gives us a couple of boundaries on this. He says uh, we're not to please ourselves. Here's the, that's one thing. And the other is. It's for the other person's building up. You want, to, you want something to guide your relationships? How do I handle this problem? How do I bring somebody along? I hear, don't please yourself and make sure you're building them up. Those are the two, two boundaries. If you want to create a safe place for that to happen, um, here's three brief rules. Um, no angry outbursts. This is for parents or for spouses. All right. You want to create a safe place for somebody to grow? No angry outbursts. No disrespectful judgments. No unilateral decisions. Uh, that creates a safe place where, uh, where we can grow together. So, hey, um, what do the weak do? Hey, wait a minute. Okay, that's the strong. What do the weak do? Uh, the weak just do this. They get strong <laughs> by applying God's word. And how do they learn to do that? Uh, the strong help them. 
the strong show them. It's kind of like going to group power class. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, I went to one, just one. That's it, just one. And uh, it's the, a bunch of people doing exercises together. And the leaders, they, you put weights on bars and lift them up and do different things with them. And, and afterwards, you're really sore. But um, the, leaders, the leaders are showing you how to do it. And so I just do what they do. I, there's a secret. The bars on uh, the, the, the weights on their bar are bigger than on my bar. All right. I move the same way. I use the, uh, they're lifting a lot more. You know, that's the only difference between the strong and the weak. It isn't that the strong don't have struggles. It isn't that the strong don't have challenges in their life. The difference between them and the weak is the weak are just learning to lift. The strong lift heavier burdens because they're carrying their own and others too. Isn't that the difference? So uh, those are the strong. So hey, um, own the problem. The problem is discipleship and every issue is a discipleship issue. And the strong ought to help the weak. Uh, Let's get strong in God's word, okay? Um, So how about this? Uh, Look the part. Okay, that sounds like we're all about appearances, right? Uh, We are not about appearances here. We are not about appearances here. Uh, We, let's change this to, it's on your notes, uh, live the part. Live the part. Uh, Because we want to be real. This is where authenticity really starts applying the scriptures to life. Uh, It says in verse uh, 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. The word instruction there uh, doesn't mean just so that you can know something. It's so that you can live something. It's experiential. It's uh, applied knowledge. This is what we do. The uh, applicational preaching of God's word is the foundation of everything that we do here, of all our being together. And then we go to small group and uh, we talk about how that applies. The applicational preaching. We go, okay, well, let's talk about it. What does it mean in our lives? And then we break out. Uh, men with men and women with women. And the question we're really asking right there is, okay, what are you going to do this week with this truth? And we hold each other accountable in those situations because we're committed to uh, the application of God's truth to our lives. And so uh, our, the instruction is applying it. And uh, when we do that, it gives us hope in a hopeless world. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We're looking for hope. Um, How many could use a little hope? Somebody asked me a little while ago, they're in a tough situation. They said, is there any hope? Any hope? Uh, Well, listen, God's word brings hope. Uh, What does that mean? Uh, What kind of hope are we talking about? Uh, The word that's used here, that's often translated in scripture, hope, uh, doesn't mean hope like we, we, so I hope it doesn't rain today. Actually, I'd prefer it to rain than snow, but uh, we have this idea, like uh, there's doubt involved, right? I hope things go well. I hope this works out. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope this does. And it's all, no, all kinds of doubt involved. But the word hope in scripture is uh, actually means confident expectation. There's no doubt involved in it. So uh, we're talking about confident expectation. And so uh, we can have a a life of confident expectation through the scriptures. Um, Well, what kind of confident expectation can I expect? 
What can I be confident about? Well, right here in Romans, he uh, talks about a a lot of things. In uh, Romans chapter 8, he talks about the confident expectation in the redemption of our bodies and freedom. Actually, he's talking about the whole creation is struggling under the curse. It was subjected to the curse by a God in hope, in the confident expectation that it would all get fixed. It was subjected to the curse for the purpose in, that in the second Adam, it could all be fixed. And that's our hope. The confident expectation that one day uh, it's going to be fixed for me. Our bodies are going to be resurrected. I'm going to have a body that's fit for living in the presence of God. No longer subject to the, uh, to the sin uh, principle to to uh, weakness Uh, that's going to be great Uh, i can have that confident expectation Uh, how about this one i have confident expectation in the glory of god romans 323 says we have all fallen short of the glory of god of sharing in god's glory we've fallen short of that romans 5 2 says um, that we now have the hope of the confident expectation of the glory of god Uh, In Christ. In uh, chapter 5 verse 4. We're going to come back to that one. 4.18. Abraham is the example of hope. Abraham it says. uh, Hoped. In the absence of hope. Abraham had a confident expectation. When there was absolutely no reason. To have a confident expectation. Now I know you know the story of Abraham. Uh, God promised him. like, Like a lot of descendants. And that that was not working out for him. And so finally, when Sarah was really old and past childbearing age, and when Abraham was uh, past uh, the the prime, um, uh, they had a miracle child. But you know, Abraham believed God that uh, God was going to give him that. But I'm not sure that that's the point at which Abraham hoped against hope. Um. One day God told Abraham to take your only son Isaac and offer him. And in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac your offspring shall be named. Um, there was no reasonable hope. No reason to have a confident expectation that that promise is going to be uh, fulfilled. It's Isaac in Isaac in this boy. The promises will be fulfilled. Now kill him. And Abraham, in the act... In the act of offering up his son, it says he believed, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which figuratively he did. Okay, Abraham's the poster child for hope when there's no hope because there is no reasonable, confident expectation other than that if Isaac is the child of promise and I kill him, God will raise him from the dead. 
That's a confident expectation in the face of having no confident expectation because um, that hadn't happened before. Somebody once said, um, he was in the act. Somebody once said, we only need sometimes 30 seconds of courage to follow through on what God wants us to do um, in the act. So here we are uh, living with the reality of confident expectation. How do I make that my own? Well, we're told pretty clearly here um, through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures. So let me quickly uh, just tell you a little bit about that. How does endurance produce a confident expectation? Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, just back a few pages, says that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces a confident expectation. This doesn't sound right to me. Um, It seems to me that I should have the confidence before I go into the problem. But uh, God says in the middle of the problem, when I apply scripture to my life and I trust the promises of God, uh, endurance is born there. And out of endurance, out of hanging in there, uh, is born a confident expectation. Um, I prove God. It's all about relying on him. And allowing God to really be God. Because he is who he says he is. And you can trust him. Because he says he's good and he's always good. Uh, This isn't easy though, is it? Applying God's truth to my life in the middle of my struggles is what brings transformation to my inner being. And so endurance, you just got to hang in there. Uh, Don't we all want to give up sometimes? I I think I've done this enough. I've heard that lots of times. Yeah, well, I've done it enough. Listen, God says endure. Hang in there. Uh, Endurance produces the confident expectation that you're looking for. Uh, Secondly, uh, the encouragement of the scriptures. This one seems obvious. Like read God's word. Read about people of faith. Read about how they did it. Uh, But it's only as we embrace the application of scripture to ourselves that we actually develop hope. So let me challenge you to engage God's word this year. Uh, You can do that in a number of ways. One, by reading through the Bible. If you've never read through the Bible, uh, read through the Bible this year. There's all kinds of plans. You can go online and get some. Uh, I followed the Discipleship Journal's uh, book at a time reading plan. Got it on my smartphone, kept me up to date. It's pretty cool. Uh, So if you've never done it, most of us read through the Bible last year uh, together. And so if uh, if you didn't make it through, try it again. Uh, How about this? Make it personal. Um, Try this way of reading the Bible. Read one paragraph a day. Just one paragraph. But read it like over and over. Read it four times. And what you're looking for is, uh, what does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to my life? Um, If there's a sin to confess, then confess it and stop it. Uh, If there's a command to be obeyed, obey it. If there's a promise to be embraced, then claim it. If there's a warning to be followed, then heed it. If there's a truth to be grasped, then hang on to it. This is the ultimate step, submitting your life to Scripture and letting it transform you. I'd encourage you, if you do that, read, read a paragraph, uh, read it through several times looking for all those things, and then r- every day write down one thing that you learned from that paragraph. At the end of the week, review all the things that you wrote down, seven things that you wrote down, At the end of the month, review 31 things that you wrote down that you learned from God's word that you should be trying to implement in your life. 
Uh, do you think that might be, bring some change? Do you think it might make it personal? Maybe. Okay, here's something else. You say, well, yeah, I've kind of been doing that. Okay, try this. Uh, the full study of one book. Just study, like, get to know one book. Um, I'll recommend this to you. Uh, Irving Jensen's uh, book studies. Uh, he gives you background information on the book, but then he gets you reading it through. By the time you're done, you'll have read it like 50 times or something. And uh, you write down, it's what you study. You write down what you see in it. You name the paragraphs. You delve into it. And he gives you some guidance, but you do the work. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you're a fairly new believer, you could pick like Philippians. Um, if you're pretty seasoned, you know, you should be stronger. Pick Ezekiel. Maybe not Ezekiel, maybe Ephesians. Uh, pick something, pick a book. Uh, how about this? This is a, a very present one by participating fully and meaningful, meaningfully in our small group curriculum, even for the next eight weeks. Uh, make sure you've picked up your study guide at the bookstore. And uh, if, I'm not going to say that. Uh, make sure you've picked up your Bible, your, your study guide at the bookstore and get in a small group and study this. And then uh, how about after that? Uh, stick with your small group and study God's word together and uh, get engaged. Uh, well, here's the last thing. Uh, first of all, living in confident expectation comes from living out God's word. Living in confident expectation comes from living out God's word. So uh, live the part, live the part. And then finally, this deliver the wow. Uh, the divine human cooperative is seen here as we engage with the scriptures through endurance with encouragement Look at this. The God of endurance and encouragement works with us. Now, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. Such harmony. That's uncommon community. Uh, Just unity and togetherness and uh, committed to the same things uh, with one voice glorifying God. Just like our impromptu choir with one voice together, uh, a beautiful sound uh, ringing in the ears of God as we serve him together. Uh, What a great thing that that would be, right? Uh, Deliver the wow. Uh, People go uh, like, wow. Uh, Jesus in John 17 said that kind of uncommon community uh, convinces people that he's real and that we know him, right? Uh, That's what we want. Um, Hey, is this the only kind of uncommon community around? Is it? Is it the only uncommon community around? Ours? Ours? No, it is not. No, it is not. There's lots of uncommon communities around. Um, uh, Different ones, safe communities, uh, places where people are being healed, uh, where they've built something. Uh, What makes this one different? Okay, it's not. It's not the amount of work that it takes. It takes a lot of work. Uh, with one voice committed to one another in unity. Uh, we got to submit to one another. We've got uh, ta- to give up our thing for our thing, my thing for our thing, right? It takes a lot of work. Every, every uncommon community has those elements. A lot of work, a lot of mutual submission and, and common purpose. Uh, here's what sets this one apart. It's very specific to a person. Paul says it's in accord with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ is who we share. And it's, it's in his name that we're gathered together. And this uncommon community is built around him. And then secondly, it's 
specific to a purpose, specific to a person, Jesus Christ, specific to a purpose to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then Paul says, therefore, a welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That doesn't mean we're only welcomed. We only welcome people who have Christ in their lives. Uh, it means the basis of our welcoming each other is because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, it's a wonderful thing to experience deep community. Some of us have had that. Some of us have it right here. Some of us had that and lost it. And some have never had it, never experienced it. I'm so sad for you. Um, deep community is what we're designed for. So here, how do I push my small group and my friends toward the gold standard of uncommon community? Well, four simple things. A greet and smile. Receive one another. Uh, own the problem. Be committed to being strong and helping others become strong. Uh, live the part by engaging in the scriptures to develop hope, confident expectation in God's promises and in what God said he would do. And then deliver the wow by glorifying God together, by being together. Uh, listen, God designed us for this. This is what we want. So can I challenge you? Can I challenge you? Uh, get in a small group, get in a small group, and then uh, adopt the gold standard of uncommon community. Say, as long as it's up to me, uh, we're going for greater authenticity and more transparency and greater vulnerability. And I'm committed to those things. Let's be committed to those things together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for the grace that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. Father, I would uh, pray that right now we would receive each other as you have received us. On the basis of that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for us to be reconciled to you and to each other. Lord, I pray for every person here that they would know Jesus Christ and the, 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 the wonder of who he is. And Father, I pray that you would bring that to our hearts in a greater way than we've experienced it. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us together to glorify you. Father, give to us this uncommon community this being together in a way that is different than any other place, than any other community that's uh, built around the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we're committed to him and to each other, uh, we pray for your hand to be upon us, the good hand of our God, uh, developing in us a greater love for one another, a greater commitment to each other and to the word of God. Lord, help us to help each other grow in you this year. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.